0: Hello, and welcome to episode 20. My name is Ross. And I'm Craig. And it's time to put the kettle on because it's tea time. <laughs> I think we've had a bit of a slow news week this week. We have. And I don't know about you, but mostly depressing. Have you? Do you have any positive ones to share with us?
1: At some point? I, I do, yeah. I have one positive, one... Not so positive for yourself.
0: Uh, okay. All right. Well, I'll get started then, shall I? Please do. Okie dokie. Right. Uh, first one. Uh, positive. The price of electric bikes could be cut by up to a third under the new government plans to offer commuters a sweat-free alternative to conventional bicycles. Okay. Uh, <laughs> supposedly, Gov will be a direct subsidy, like they did for plugging cars. And the scheme is due to launch in the UK by April, 2021. So basically think means if you go to an electric bike shop and you just get a instant discount off it, Um, they're trying to encourage people that wear suits and older people who perhaps don't want to ride on a bike because they're worried about looking like a, I don't know, a hot pig. Um, uh yeah so um it's that's a new thing um because apparently uh everyone else all other electric vehicles have subsidies but bikes don't so they're trying to rectify that situation and of course some people are worried that that just means that those have lots of money are going to get subsidized to have things that you know they would otherwise not get because you know if you want to encourage it do you need to give it to one that's got a 3,000 pound bike, or is it better just to give it the ones for that are uh, under a thousand for the people that couldn't afford the bike and nested? You know what I mean?
1: Yes, um, there was actually a pair of news I read related to this. Um, I can't remember which country it was, it was an Eastern European country which done a scheme, might have been Estonia, where they were doing trade ins. So you trade your petrol car or your diesel car in. What for and and you gave him an electric bike. Yes.
0: And it apparently worked pretty well. I suppose if it's a really naff car and it's a quite a decent electric bike, that might work. Hmm. You generally think that would be a bad deal, wouldn't you? So I give you a car, you give me a bike. No, no.
1: I mean, I, I have actually done that deal before. Uh, when I first went to uni, I no longer needed a car. So I actually did trade it for a bike.
0: Okay. Just, just, just a push bike. <laughs> well, that proves it works and fair. Off. Okay. Um, uh, this is when that was the only positive one I had, like I said, and the rest of it gets a little bit worse. Uh, mm. in the typical screw up move, uh, the increase in energy from waste incineration has, which was originally promoted by the previous conservative government is allowing the moronic to make matters worse. So Energy from waste, which is obviously just burning stuff that you can't otherwise recycle, um, is supposed to be a last resort. Um, but because it gets labelled as waste that has been processed, um, it makes it look like people are re- doing things responsibly. And but if you haven't got the other recycling that you're doing first, then all you're really doing is taking all the rubbish that people are trying to recycle in best um endeavors uh and then just burning it uh and then obviously releasing even more carbon dioxide and other emissions and other crap into the atmosphere uh and no one else knows about it um and it tends to happen more in places that aren't doing recycling perhaps have less um diverse um neighborhoods and things like that so basically it's just making the matters worse
1: Yes, I thought we got past the "who were burning it" because we realised that burying it was mildly better. So so bad, but mildly better. Um. What? but
0: isn't burying the same as landfill?
1: Yes, basically. As in, you know, don't burn it in the atmosphere, just
0: bury it. Well, I think I that what they I think that what they worked out is that they if they did burn it, then they could at least get some of the energy back from it. Right. Okay. So that would be. If you like a good thing if it means that you're getting energy from stuff that you're burning you can't do anything else with it means it's not filling up landfill and you're not using coal instead to heat your homes you're using that thing however if you don't recycle the plastic or the metal or the wood or anything else first then all you're doing is just burning your landfill and filling the world with disgusting stuff yeah hence uh, I refer to them as moronic. Anyway, so that's that's happening. Um, um, but there's worse um, and I, we need to come up with a proper name for this, but the round of which is actually the reverse the round of applause round of abuse um, version is going to this week uh, I'm going to it to the EU again. <laughs> um, so Oatly uh, who make you know who Oatly are? They make the yeah, um, they uh, applied for a trademark slogan, um, and the phrase that they wanted to use was "It's like milk, but made for humans." Okay, which yeah. I thought was quite good because, as we discussed on this our own channel uh, not that long ago, about how the sort of we forget about milk and where it comes from and all that sort of stuff, and the fact that maybe we shouldn't be drinking another cow's milk, but anyway. So the EU, um, in their wisdom, um, have basically refused it. Um, Now, if you remember, I think it might have even only been last week, we reported about how they'd been arguing over whether to call burgers, burgers, Mm. whether to call them, I think discs was the suggestion. Sliders, discs, yeah, whatever. Um, uh, And the reason for that being is that they were worried that if you call it a burger, it would confuse people into thinking it had meat in it. Which we understand, albeit a bit playing to the morons, but um, uh, but they decided that this particular slogan, to remind you, it's like healthy milk but for humans, was not appropriate because, um, now what did it say? It was because people know that cow's milk is for calves. So, they didn't like it because people already know. They didn't like the burgers because that would confuse people. But pointing out something that they supposedly already know would also confuse them. I know I'm confused. Um, I don't get it. There seems to be some sort of thing going on at the moment about basically anti-veganism. Is just what it seems to be. I can't figure out what the heck are you doing
1: i can't really see what yeah i don't get it i
0: don't, no,
1: get,
0: it. I don't get it either so yeah we've got issues as to whether we can call things things um and now we're not allowed to tell people that they're not drinking i, I think the real reason surely is that they're worried that it's going to damage the you know actually be very impactful because it will make people question well why am mm. i actually why am i drinking milk that's meant for a, a baby cow why am i drinking that um well they already know yeah so i think that I, I must my only version of it is that they're worried it's gonna actually be too good
1: but they're gonna start uh, blacklisting like milk sellers i mean I think I think in general, but most of us do know cows' milk is for calves. I think we're aware of that. Uh, I think we've also discussed previously that it's a very westernised, uh, European, westernised thing to even consume milk. Uh, most of the world are lactose intolerant, so we are very, you know, we are very niche in a sense by doing this. But um, but yeah, I, I can't see how you can reject a slogan because it's true.
0: It's silly exactly i mean you know it's not like twitter's been going after donald trump because his comments are too true is it Yeah,
1: uh, surely yeah. what well, what's that uh what's the butter utterly butterly uh, yeah. do not they isn't their slogan like it's it's like butter but better or better for you or something like something like that they got a really obvious thing that we're not butter or something
0: yeah sort. I, I don't know it just seems odd it just seems very 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 well done I think I think people think you're right people most people do know it. It's for cows But I, I also think it's something that we've forgotten to think about that actually When you say to someone you do realize you're drinking something that was meant for a baby cow they go. Oh, yeah, I am aren't I? That's a good point. Why do we do that? Anyway, so that's my run of abuse EU stop it um, and unfortunately um. I don't know whether I was just too angry after that to carry on, but I didn't find anything else that was of any use. Oh, actually, no. Uh, there's something. There is something. I, it's it's not a full new news item, but I have um, a, there's a guy called um there's a, a YouTube channel. I'll put a link to it. Um, just have a think. Um, and they yeah. uh, had an uh, an episode last week, which I watched, which I thought was particularly interesting, and it was about the situation with methane, uh, frozen methane. Um, sure. So we've now got to the point where the permafrost uh, that surrounds the Arctic circle is obviously it melts every summer and then it comes back every winter, but um, it's melting to a point where it's longer to the point where pe- uh, they're sending out boats and they are literally observing bubbles of gas coming up through the ocean. Um, and it's methane basically being released. Uh, no one quite knows what sort of the impact of that's going to be, but it's the sort of thing that could be a, one of those beautiful tipping point moments where it's been frozen under, under the ground for so long. And then if we actually let it go, it'll just all of it comes up and then screws screw. Yes. Yeah. I think bit it was like, one of it. a bit like when you're, um, you're, was it the, the, the buried time capsule, uh, you know, is released. That's basically what happens except this is bad for the world. So, um, So that's happening as well.
1: Yeah, I wonder if all the methane ends up in Ireland too. But but yeah, apparently the the melting of the permafrost is a tipping point. And that's what uh, Christina Fragueris and the past climate agreement are talking about As Once that tips, um, there's only three ecosystems in the world that kind of prevent us from becoming Venus today, Um, permafrost being one of them. If that tips, then that pushes the other ecosystems the stressing point basically and it's almost be like a domino effect
0: yeah so do you have anything slightly more positive than i have
1: um yes i do um well one one
0: one thing one great
1: yeah so uh, exactly same as you not a lot of news this time around um but i have got a little something on scotland scotland Yes, specifically, uh, Scotland to England Renewable Energy Superhighway. So really cool project that's been agreed uh, by Scottish Power, National Grid and the SSE, or SSE rather. Um, These are three of Britain's biggest energy companies. Yeah. Uh, So it's great to see them agree on something. And they are looking to build a giant underwater power cable to bring Scotland's Um, vast renewable energy to roughly 4.5 million English homes.
0: Is that because they've already supplied it to the whole of Scotland already and now they've got extra? Yes. Is it?
1: Yes. Uh, When Scotland have extra, they have a lot of extra. Uh, I'll get the actual details in a second, but um, this kind of coincides with government's plans to massively increase offshore wind, as we know about. Yeah. Um, that's looking to ramp up and be complete by roughly 2030, I believe. Um, right now, the project that's been proposed will transport two gigawatts, um, but has capacity to double to four gigawatts. Mm-hmm. However, once those wind, um, offshore wind um, platforms are in place, Scotland is roughly capable of producing 10 gigawatts cool. um, by itself. Uh, this will be generated in Scottish waters, so it's Scottish, so hopefully they don't become independent. And in the coming years we are going to need a bigger cable, otherwise Scotland keeps that.
0: Right. So, um, so. Yeah, just to interject, I did also read that um, there's some huge effort in the EU, maybe we shouldn't be, I shouldn't diss quite so much, um, to add um, Tidal, which I think I don't know why I don't hear more about tidal, but um, apparently there's some new plans to make a huge, huge um, uh, growth in tidal now. I mean, sadly, it's, I'm, I'm seeing what looks like turbine underwater, which is concerning for me. But I'm sure they could come up better way. But um, but the other thing that's uh, again, I know I've said it a few times, but like green hydrogen or whatever the hell it's called, um, uh, it was announced that like it's Saudi Arabia is now switching to hydrogen. Now, for me, you, I've, had a, I've had a slight concern about hydrogen for a while now because it, it seems to be keep getting picked up by the kind of companies that were doing oil before, yeah, which is why? fine because they have the capability to do it, but you just know that those people aren't the people that care, and that bothers me slightly that they're the ones going into hydrogen, and it's also that the UK are, seems to be going heavily into both wind and hydrogen hydrogen makes
1: sense because it's, i assume it's very cheap because it's so abundant so i assume the oil companies are getting into it because it's cheap
0: yeah but i'm also worried they're going to find ways of needing to use oil to do it do you know what well, I, mean? I mean
1: saudi arabia has so much oil i can't well, even believe they're even considering hydrogen that's kind of like what well, they say to the outside world i have a good use hydrogen Yeah, you know, just check another barrel on the fire
0: Worries me, Craig.
1: Anyway, sorry, Karen. Yep. Um, nice interjection. hygiene Um, yeah, there's, there's an entire different topic there we need to discuss. Okay. But other than that, offshore wind, Scotland will be absolutely loaded by 2030. And England needs probably a much better relationship because that's not going too well right now. I mean, if they just build that cable a bit longer, just skipping and come straight to Wales.
0: I think we'd be happy. But that, so that was why I brought up, so um tidal is uh, I think there probably should be some more efforts done to make like you know the in I don't know, the River Severn's a good example or not but um I imagine it probably is a good opportunity to get quite a bit of tidal in the south west of the country. Yeah um, down the channel even I'm not sure but um or the north sea. Um but I do feel like there's you know Rhode Island, we should use what we've got, right? Yeah, I mean, wind seems to be the, per per actual square footage, that seems to be the highest. Um, yes, but the, the advantage countries. of tidal over wind is that obviously it's a bit more reliable.
1: Does it kill fish as opposed but, to killing birds?
0: Well, if we use the ones that have these massive turbines underwater that spin around, I would imagine it's probably, yeah, sushi, wet dream to use your phrase. Um, so I'm sure, I'm sure they can come up with a better version that doesn't require <laughs> blade spinning. But anyway, um, but the fact that we are in Ireland, the fact that we have lots of it, and the fact that it's more regular and more consistent than, um, than wind makes me feel like we should use it a lot more. If
1: that permafrost is melting, we're going to get a lot more water before we get a lot more wind. So Maybe. Maybe. Anyway, in other news, um, so Rishi Sunak is looking for a way to tax the EV market. Have you seen this? Because this directly impacts you.
0: I heard a rumor, but I don't know anything about it really. Okay, so the idea
1: right now is potentially pay per mile. So an actual way to charge cars for using roads. So, the road tax system will be abolished. Uh, obviously, yep. that was, we, we knew it was going to happen anyway at some point.
0: Yeah.
1: But this kind of follows the announcement um, of the scrapping of selling new petrol and diesel cars. So, that's also been pulled forward. So, you can no longer buy a new petrol and diesel car after 2030 in the UK. Cool. But when that happens, uh, we're expecting a roughly 40 billion black hole in the public finances of how to pay for the road networks, et cetera, you know, maintain. Yeah. So yeah, how, how, does, how does this affect you?
0: Because you left to call user. Uh, obviously, it would it would cost me, um, but um, I think it's in Fair. the long term, it's the right thing to do, obviously. I shouldn't hmm. be paying to use the roads. Um, I don't do an awful lot of driving um, anyway. And I think if it was worse, if they can figure out a paper mile system, I know they do that other than I guess, recording your um, mileage at the beginning and the end of each year. But
1: um, I think that would be a lot
0: fairer because um, uh, if you, well, first of all, if you, you, know, if you drive around a lot, then you, know, you are making more use of the roads and therefore it makes sense that you should pay more. Um, but also there's other like little subtle benefits. Like if you, you decide not to live in a city centre um, and you live outside of the area so that you can have cheaper housing or whatever, then you drive in um, and that's all and you've given yourself the inconvenience of that but also there is a uh, mm. you're, you, if you're producing emissions or whatever for doing that or using the roads from doing that and actually then there should probably be some sort of um, penalties possibly the wrong word but something to weigh that up slightly, slightly better so those that decide to live in the city and walk benefit from the fact that they've chosen to live nearby um, so yeah overall I think absolutely the right thing to do we should all be paying towards the roads
1: yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how they're going to do it. There isn't any concrete methods stated in how we're going to do this. Um, like motorways, for example, have camera systems the entire way through. Uh, maybe that's used to literally calculate how long you've used that rod. Maybe introduce motorways first by yourself. Might, that might be the
0: easiest to do. I mean, why can't you just record your mileage? Why I mean, doesn't that mean, isn't that easier?
1: Maybe, maybe you do maybe every time you do have an MOT, which does record your mileage for the DVLA, they'd say, cool, you've done 12,000 miles this year. So your tax this year is 120 quid, whatever.
0: Yeah. And they only have to deal with the first year problem, don't they? But they could do the road tax as they normally do and then that for the first year and then the second year you were paying for your usage of the road the year before. Yeah. And then maybe it's a flat fee for everyone who starts in the first year of driving or whatever.
1: Yeah, I mean, they need to make a fair somehow because obviously not every road is equal. Um, Private country lanes, well, not private lanes, obviously, because they belong to someone else. Public country lanes, which don't get um, cleaned of snow and all that type of stuff. I imagine people would kick off if they typically just drive those um, and they don't get the same maintenance level that a motorway does. So every mile is not equal. So I'm not sure how they can do
0: that. Or how yeah, that works. That, that affects me. I drive on city roads most of the time. Mostly because yeah. I have enough battery length to go on the main roads. Well, <laughs> 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 I might use those more if I could actually get their own back. Um, uh, but then you've also got like businesses who are, um, right now, they're paying fuel um, and they're driving, you know, round, 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 Um, Obviously, when their fuel costs disappear, they're going to benefit hugely from that. So it would make sense to take some of that back off them to pay for the roads. Yeah. I'm down with it, even though it costs me money, because that's the kind of guy I am.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, also, we're also going to stop using the um, fuel subsidies that we currently do, because obviously we artificially keep petrol to be cheaper than it actually is. Um, And apparently that's cost $110 over the last uh, three to five years. Wow. Of just subsidizing petrol so we stopped doing that i mean that's going to help the budget in some way let's yeah, see
0: that why are we doing that all this time
1: oh i don't know how much how much is petrol these days how much would it become afterwards? i don't know
0: greg i haven't bought petrol in a long time
1: well <laughs> oh, don't you just don't you just drive past them and give them the middle finger the petrol station four coats
0: uh yeah sport pass <laughs> excuse me
1: yeah. Uh, basically, we have no idea how we're going to do this. Um, well, there doesn't seem to be an example of this anywhere else in the world, but obviously this will become a worldwide issue at some point, when we're all electric car users by 2030, maybe. So that's something we need to work on. But it's cool to see Rishi Senak thinking about this. He does seem to be a very interesting, future-looking guy.
0: Yeah. I like you. Yes, so do I. Open-minded. We like that.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's definitely an XPM potential. He's got it all over. But um, that's all I have. I have two pieces of news.
0: And you can construct a sentence without sounding like he's drunk. Um, Right. Okay, cool. So let's get on to today's um, main thing, shall we? Mm. What is today, Craig, today I am posing a different question. Should we all live in a dome? Okay, that's my question. Should we all be living in domes, or should the world okay. have more domes? So, what is a dome? You know what it's. It's a dome. Is case for those you completely unfamiliar with the concept. It is a. It is a half sphere or a hemisphere, as you may have otherwise known of it. Um, it is that, that is, that is what it is. It's basically a structure which is, looks like a circle half stuck in the ground. Um, most of the famous domes associated with buildings around the world are actually just domes stuck on the top of other buildings. Um, so stuff like the Taj Hall, um, or if you have never left the country or Googled anything in your life, then... Uh, maybe you've seen St. Paul's Cathedral um, or something like that. Um, but I wanted to talk about domes as the core structure of the building, not as a thing on the top, not as a, a, a visual piece. Um, so domes like the Eden Project, for example, in Cornwall. Um, that dome is a geodesic dome. Uh, it's made of steel tubes arranged in hexagonal and pentagonal shapes covered with, and i have to check my notes here, uh, Ethyl tetrafluoroethylene foil, which in English is like a transparent pillow. It's basically, That's like a pl- like a plastic that you can fill up with air and becomes a little pillow.
1: Mm, nice. So all That'll the little stuff we got from Roswell.
0: All the little dome, all the little he- 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 hexagons hex- 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 just filled with this stuff, with this air and this plasticky stuff. Like right. you just like expensive clean film, I guess. Um... Anyway, so the Edens Project dome structure is relatively complicated, but um, if you look into the basics of what constitute a geodesic dome, they are usually categorized by their frequency. The frequency of a dome is the number of different lengths of struts used to make the entire structure. So I've got an image here to help with my illustration, so I shall quickly share that with you now. Okay, yeah, so I'm trying to explain this as well for all the podcasters. Um, So uh, we've got a picture here of of the different frequency examples. So um, the uh, one frequency dome is literally made of the same length of piece of wood and then you basically put it in a different formation to make sort of triangular shapes in order to try and make a structure building of that piece. It tends to look quite blocky, quite triangular um, and it's very pointy. Um, whereas if you take that length of wood and then you take the half point in the middle and sort of bend it up like that, I'm not doing a good job because my hand is a different length than my arm. And while we're illustrating it, they're on a podcast. They're going, so if if you take your two hands together, um, and then you lift up the hand in the middle that, and that, that would basically makes an extra frequency. So it's like taking a halfway point and then pulling it up with a string. And then, so a box then becomes a slightly more, um, well, dome is shaped so that the more times you do that, the, the shorter the, each individual line becomes, the more spherical the whole structure becomes. Um, so YouTubers, you can just look at that picture and that hopefully that all makes sense. And if you look um, at a geodesic dome as a skeleton and you look closer, you start to see all oh, the tiny little hexagons and the tiny diamonds and the pentagon pentagons, um, and etc. etc. So, um, that's what a geodesic dome looks like. So, um, let's stop sharing. So the higher the frequency, the more complex the design becomes, but the more spherical the dome appears, um, which is mildly academically interesting perhaps, but, um, there's more, there's, there's more domes are amazing. Just, be, just bear with me. So, um, First of all, they're actually the strongest human shelter ever conceived. Uh, typically, we live in a box or a box shape, uh, and we have to worry about load-bearing walls and roofs, but a dome evenly distributes any stress along the entire body of the structure, basically holding itself up. So you take a piece out, and, or several pieces out, and it, becomes, it can become quite weak. But as long as every piece is there, it all leans on itself. Um, and it's it 's sort of self sustaining self lifting supporting. supporting that 's a good word thank you um so you can um you can make a small one with just p v c pipe and some connectors all held together with zip ties, and because of the the weight distribution you can you can stand on it you can hang off it it doesn't look like something that should hold your weight, but it does because of the way it's uh, the way it's structured. Um, and because of this distribution of stress, it's also extremely good in earthquakes, Mm -hmm. um As it's spherical it's also very aerodynamic which makes it particularly useful in You know windy places so it can actually um, withstand a hurricane um if it needs to Uh domes are also efficient in terms of their volume to surface area So usually about 30% less than a box shaped building, um, which makes them more efficient to heat. It provides more living space per surface area and less surface area means less materials and therefore cheaper to make. So um, they also circulate air better. The lack of corners that you'd get in in a normal box structure makes the ambient airflow continuous. So it requires even less energy to circulate the air and maintain a even temperature throughout in a box shape you'd have to pump the thing harder to to get those that stagnant air that gets trapped in the corners and push it out mm. so it's just inefficient in that sense um, also the larger the dome the more efficient it becomes so if you double the diameter of a dome it increases its volume by eight times so both the Eden Project and the Millennium Dome were record breakers in terms of the size when they were built, because mm. it just scales up. Whereas in other structures, the bigger it gets, then you need to have more supports and more other things to keep it going. Domes can just scale and scale and scale and scale, and they just get you know, bigger and bigger and all worse. Um, you might increase the frequency if you go to, is, and you probably can't have a, well, no, you can't have a two-frequency dome, which is massive. So you would need to have at least a five-frequency dome. The bigger it got, but in terms of the actual design, if you like, it doesn't it doesn't change. It just you just need to add another frequency. Um, okay, so spheres uh, are also efficient in every way. Um, it's why nature often chooses it. So if you think of a dandelion puffball thingy that you can blow the seeds away, that's spherical yeah. shape. Um, beading on a leaf. Um, or on your very well-waxed car, if you have such thing. Um, Even the shape of the planets and, of course, the sun. All of those are spheres. Um, And speaking of the sun, it's becoming more normal these days that homes are fitted with solar panels. Um, Well, what shape just so happens to gain the maximum amount of solar, no matter what the time of year is, Oh, it's a dome! I
1: never would have guessed.
0: Even when it's low in the sky, you've got the bottom section of the dome. If it's high in the sky, you've got the top section of the dome. Whereas you don't, if it's in winter, our normal roofs suffer because the panels are on the top of the roof and you have to, the sun has to be at a certain height just to even hit the damn thing. Um, So they're not as efficient. So in summary, they are stronger they are cheaper to make, they're more energy efficient, and they are better for solar. So my question is, why are we not making more domes? Why do we keep making boxes all the time?
1: I I don't know. I mean, domes are pleasing to look at too. So aesthetically pleasing. Um, I would love to live in a dome. I, I can't think why we chose boxes
0: of a reason a historical thing well um i was looking for reasons uh weirdly one that just kept coming up and admittedly it's just a google search so it's just people giving their opinion but um one of the most common answers i kept finding was that furniture is not designed for is normally designed for straight walls so you think you, you, you know your bed your sofa your chest of drawers whatever they're all designed to fit up against a flat wall. And that was the main reason that they thought that domes weren't more successful. But for me, that's like having the cart lead the horse. If you had domes, yeah, if you had circular things, and they came in some sort of normal, you know, um, diameter, then you probably would find that you'd also have furniture that was roundish.
1: Yeah, because of, you know, walls inside a dome, if you wanted to, it hasn't got to be open plan. plan.
0: Yeah. And who says you need to just? Who says you need to put the furniture against the wall anyway? So just mm. have a, a slightly different, you know, design. Really?
1: Oh, yeah. Actually, we we have discussed this before. The, the benefits of boxes over domes, mass stackability. I'm not sure if you come to this later.
0: No, I no, that, you know, I did. I haven't got it on there later. No, but that is a good point. Yes, um, high-rise buildings or whatever you want to call them yes stacking things on top of each other domes don't do particularly well at that that is true but for an individual um ownership house whatever your own personal house that is on your own land that sort of style then it's the most efficient structure you could use um so i thought i would uh do a bit more visual again apologies for the podcasters for, for craig's benefit and he can just he can comment on them and uh tell you what you think. Um, A few designs that I've come across, which sort of try to eliminate some of the concerns that one might have from a dome structure. So Craig, what do you think of this one first of all? So here we've got a tall dome with, um, they've also tried to make it because what you typically expect is if in a dome, how do you have anything more than one floor How's that going to work? Um, so this designer's got like a mezzanine floor covering the back half of the dome uh, with a sort of rounded staircase going up to it. Um, presumably that's where the bedrooms are. And then downstairs, you've got this sort of, again, circular type kitchen and lounge. Um, windows, look at that, going all the way up to the roof in a sort of straight line using the shape of the panels of the dome. Yeah, I actually quite love that. It's really good. I'd live in a house like that, wouldn't you?
1: Ah, uh, completely. It looks extremely pricey, but I definitely would like to live somewhere like that.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Uh, right, next one is again. So, we, so this this is a, a cut half of a dome. Where uh, again, we've got the same sort of idea with um, having a two floor <laughs> thing, proving that you can if, as long as the dome is. So this is this is this is like a three quarter dome. In the sense that mm. the, um, the it's only a third of the sphere that's hidden or cut off, um, so it rises higher out of the ground and then has a um, it sort of comes out before it goes back in. Um, again, you it looks like we've got this sort of central, um, which is probably a f- the functional element of having the like the pipes and stuff running through the down the centre of the of the dome, and then um, having the rooms off from that centre. Uh, but again, you've got, you know, you've got a kitchen, you've got separate rooms. I think it's a perfectly good design.
1: Oh, very much. Uh, yeah, the centre part makes sense. Kind of like a, like a terrace, chocolate orange.
0: Yes. So, uh, yeah, in, in my head, I, I'm imagining putting my, you know, your, all your electric wires down the centre, um, uh, and then, or, you know, you, gas pipes or whatever, whatever else you need, all down the centre where it's as insulated or whatever as, as, as necessary and then come off from there because that way you've always got a central point um and you don't because i don't know if you've ever watched any one cable in your house but you end up with an awful lot of um you know it's wrapped around here it's going up from the first floor to the second floor it's going across then it's going back down again it's all a bit it can get quite eagledy-pickledy whereas i imagine this structure if you've got your you're tapping into everything from the from the from the middle of the, of, of every room essentially not. Uh, you know, the, the, the edge of each room is all pointing to this central pillar that goes down the middle of the other of house, which I think would make for a more general and efficient design anyway. Yes. Uh, this is another one just like a cut off showing the sort of the, the wall structures that you can have still allowing um, at least two or three walls to be straight, um, but they do have a lot of curved, Things, but I think curves are nice. I think they flow nicely.
1: I think they're very aesthetically pleasing.
0: I don't know how they've done that bed. Look, it's got a slight curve on the edge of the bed.
1: Yeah, like a curved mattress. Yeah, I think they have. Yeah. like I don't think you can buy a a ever so slightly curved mattress.
0: (laughs) No. Well, I'm sure there must be, you know, a a dome supplier somewhere that's making them, but um, but yeah. So that's a very cool looking place. now I particularly like this one here, this green one, um, because it demonstrates for me that it can exist within the structure of the land. So you can see a typical mm-hmm. hill structure, um, if you can imagine a, a mound of, of greenery, um, but actually <laughs> built within that mound is a, a dome so that you have it, perhaps, that the, uh, the, the, the mass of land is on the north side of your house, which insulates your house, keeps it warm, and then all the, the windows would point south, um, allowing for lots of you know sun to come in. Um, but from from the north side, or the east or west side, you probably wouldn't even better see the house in terms of the front door, um, so you wouldn't even know it was there.
1: Yeah, very much like a teddy tubby
0: house. <laughs> yes, teddy tubbies That's all we live like then. Um, So anyway, I want to take this one stage further in this sort of green, organic style housing is just this looking at this picture. Which is basically Mm. a tree. A a massive tree, but yeah. A a massive tree. But notice the shape of it, (laughs) Craig. And then, here's another one, look, another tree just sat out in the, in the world. It just looks like a big ball on a pedestal. Cause that's what trees are, Craig. They're just domes on a pedestal. That's all they are. Merely yeah. they don't always come in a circular shape. Sometimes they're a bit iggly but essentially that's what they are. So if you take that level, take that idea to the next level, you end up with houses that look like this one. Ooh, tree houses. So these are tree houses. These aren't made to live in, but um, they're just looked at like viewing points or places to hang out with, the, with a pint or something. But, um, but you get where I'm going with this. Um, mm. The idea that you can build a dome, especially that second one, it's probably a bit more obvious. Um, you can build a dome that's literally wrapped around the trunk of the tree and uses the, the shape of the tree t- as its supports internally um, to, uh, to hold the thing up basically uh, and depending on the on the tree breed is that right um for of the tree itself some trees will have like they have a, a, a long thin trunk which goes up quite far before the branches come up and other ones have quite an interesting design where they sort of they will they will come off the ground and then immediately branch out okay now those those trees are kind of interesting in themselves because they create what's basically like a nest um which if you think about how birds make their nest, they take a couple of branches that are basically like that. And they often just put um, a nest in the middle of it. It would be the same idea. Um, So you'd have the tree trunks growing out from the side. And in the middle, you'd have your dome, which could be a house and use the fact that the tree is slightly off the floor to uh, prevent some of the uh, issues of having, you know, wood or whatever on the floor and it rotting and that sort of stuff. So, So a thought experiment for you, Craig. What if we took the design of the, of the mound and of the tree, um, Hmm. and instead of having like a residential street, like the one that you live on, um, which is basically a sort of crawling uh, road thingies with surrounded by houses, what if, you just got rid of all the houses and replaced them with a combination of mounds and trees um so that it basically looked like a massive park depending on what angle you looked at it from but in amongst that park you would have actual houses what would that look like would that work
1: i mean it feels it feels nice yeah i can imagine that. Uh, that kind of solves maybe the stackability a bit too, because you could have domes above a dome on a tree. So you could have multiple yes, things here so. perhaps.
0: Yeah. Have the bottom set of branches, and then if there's a, if there's a tree that has another so- top set up there, you could have... That's an interesting idea. I hadn't even thought that one. I mean, mm. I imagine you know you need a decent staircase, but you could make one off the side of a tree. But it, it, it does benefit then from the shelter that trees give you um, uh, in terms of, you know, um, weather and stuff. Um, so I thought as a few other, I was trying to think of the pros and cons. Um, obviously, from the if you're surrounded by green, that's got to that's be better for your own personal health. But it's also better for the planet in terms of we're trying to plant a lot of trees at the moment. Um, yeah. uh, better <laughs> for flooding. Uh, which is going to be more important as the more we melt the ice um, Because obviously uh, concrete roads and stuff tarmac roads can't let uh, the water go through it So they basically just they just runoffs. They, they run off and then have to be absorbed then by the soil um, Either side of it, whereas obviously if it was all grass, then there'd be a lot more uh, <laughs> Absorption that can take place um, Obviously more aesthetically pleasing but then so I guess the the bigger question really is not the benefits because they're obvious but um what are what are the negatives what would be the negatives of living in that sort of environment um All I could really think of was the upkeep um because you'd presumably have to you know mow mow your house, not just your garden quite regularly um to keep it in check um you know it would get muddy because it's more grassy than it is that's the benefit of living on a tarmac street with concrete pavements or whatever, um, is they don't tend to get weeds growing out of them and they don't get too muddy and stuff and animals don't move in. Um, so, you know, but then presumably that's the fact that we got used to that and we don't, you know, we don't like our creatures around us is probably not a good thing. Anyway, it's probably just something that we need to learn to adjust back to.
1: Yeah. I mean, we are very close to animals. Um, I, think, I would say most people have a pet. It seems to be
0: a, a natural thing to have. Yeah, but these pets aren't going to say pets that you want, are they?
1: No, but Bat- I'm sure they could be quite useful. Like, you know, <laughs> what, what do squirrels do? Squirrels could probably be quite useful. Useful?
0: Yeah, I don't know. Can you train squirrels to be useful? I don't know. I've never tried. I thought about training crows once, but that was, I, ne- I never got around to it.
1: Yeah. Incredibly intelligent crows.
0: That's why I was going to try. Hmm.
1: They could probably like, deliver messages from house to house.
0: Oh, go tell Dave. Hey, this is, I mean, I, I did say it was a thought experiment. This is not the direction I was expecting you to go in, to be honest.
1: <laughs> no, I, I'm thinking of it. I, I can see it. I do like it. Um, I think the only the only difficulties I can see with uh, creating this, yeah, the maintenance would be an issue um it kind of feels like the up cost would be a lot more too obviously chucking up a a square and then putting a square on top of it then a roof these are just factory copy and pastes whereas domes they don't feel so copy and paste they kind of feel more they have to fit the environment that exists so they're a lot more thought out a lot more meticulous which will result in a higher quality better thing But for that Um, reason, they could be quite expensive per square meter.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, well, first of all, as as we, as I already mentioned, the the surface area is actually less than a square building. So in terms of first principles, how much material do I need? um, It's actually less. Uh, Also, there's at least one design where you make... An individual triangle, and you replicate that triangle like sixty something times, and that's enough to make the full structure, the full wooden structure of the of the building. So for me, that's like well, there's some economies of scales to be had there, because you could you can for every for every size house. If you decide is yours is going to be a ten meter house, and you know you might have a fifteen meter house. If if there's then some sort of consistency amongst that, then for every single 10 meter diameter house, it's the same triangle. You just produce 60 of them for that person. And if one breaks, you've got, you know, another. so it should, if it became mass market should become much cheaper than it would be to produce. As we do now. Yeah. Good point. Oh, see the internal parts may be slightly different because that would be unique to each individual person. But the the, the outer part of the building should be um, pretty cheap to make. One would assume less material, and you can make the same, use the same material throughout. Whereas, I don't think you can do that with wooden um, structures. You need different lengths mm. for different parts of the building. And you need to actually think that through. Whereas you could literally turn up with a set of 65, whatever it is, triangles and then go, right. Da, 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 done. Structure. <clears> built. So, yeah, I think in the long run, if it became mass- massively produced, then it should be cheaper. Um, so, but fair enough, maybe living in, a, in one of these is a step too far. So um, I've, Backed it up a little bit, um, and um, in the UK we it was quite commonplace to have a greenhouse in your garden, mm. um, but obviously we don't do that as much these days. Um, and greenhouses get well most time I've ever seen a greenhouse. It's usually some smashed up ones on someone's garden for some old person who can't bother to look after it. But um, I'm sure they are still being used all over the place, but. Um so I wanted to recap some of the benefits but then apply it specifically to greenhouses. Or glass houses as they used to be called. Um so one, uh domes are very resistant to high speed winds. So you quite often find greenhouses and polytunnels out in fields in or in lotments, and these wide open spaces are often uh, you know open to getting damaged by wind because they're quite open, wide and open. Um, so you end up with damaged greenhouses. Domes won't have got trouble because they're more aerodynamic. So that's one. Um, the volume to surface area means that you basically get more living space, but you also would mean you get more growing space. So it makes it more efficient for your yield. So you can design your layout of your plants to focus the taller plants in the in the center of the dome. And the shorter ones, so so like the vines, like tomatoes and uh, cucumbers and things that can all grow in the centre. But around the edges, you have your lower, shorter ones, like your lettuces and things like that, and your herbs and things. Um, Less surface area also means less material. So, um, as I've already mentioned, you could just have that one material that you reproduce sixty times, and then um, you know that's knocking those out off a factory. Should make your greenhouses pretty cheap because they don't need much more than just some sort of covering polycarbonate or something on top of that which again if you're using the same triangle means the polycarbonate's the same size You say you need 60 triangles of this 60 triangles of of polycarbonate buy it in a pack put up yourself like can 10 just, out 10. Can you
1: can just put like an entire jacket over it and staple it on
0: you can do that as well yeah you have to like sort of pull it tight and stuff it's not as a um it's easy. It's easy, but it's not going to be as efficient in terms of the temperature and stuff because it's not you don't want to get it over there perfectly smoothly in all cases. Um, Fair enough. So it's better to do it per triangle. But anyway, um, you need to ventilate a greenhouse. I don't know if you've ever done any gardening or ever been in a greenhouse, but you're supposed to ventilate it um, so to make sure that the plants stay healthy uh, so they don't get certain um, uh, v- viruses that I would certain algae or whatever things on them. Um and also they need wind to move them around to keep them strong. So um you're supposed to do that. So usually what people do is they rake up a fan hmm. powered by something. Um, but because it's a boxy shape, it obviously requires more effort to put that thing around. So um, this is a problem that we already have. You wouldn't necessarily you would either need a very a, um, a lot less power to run your fan because you wouldn't have to do as much work or you might not even need a fan at all because you might just be able to ventilate in the right space. So like if we just put like a open a side panel on the side of the, of the dome that will be enough to let the air flow in that comes in naturally. And then that will just flow out and up maybe at the top or something. So you could probably save yourself some costs there as well. Um, and then there's of course, as we've already mentioned the capturing the sun's energy. Um, so, If not solar panels, then just the fact that the sun can enter from all angles means that you're uh, capturing more heat. Um, And some really cool designs I've seen for greenhouses also put uh, like a water feature in the north side of the the greenhouse, which uh, so the water then acts as a thermal um, battery effectively. Um, And then so it heats it up during the day, but then during the nighttime, that water slowly releases its energy back into the greenhouse and keeps it from frosting, which is ultimately the whole point of the greenhouse in the first place. So, basically that's that's it. My conclusion is, after all my research into terms, that they are amazing. Um, and that we should probably be living in them because they're just more efficient. Um, but failing that, um, with the Rayleys, what we should definitely do 100% is have a greenhouse um, and put them in a garden and grow your own food in it. That's my old hard,
1: Old I would hardly agree. Um, okay. and, and some of those images you've shown, um, like for example, yeah. that one we cl- classed as maybe the Millionaires, sort of like dome. Yeah. Beautiful
0: wooden interior.
1: It looks amazing. I would happily live in there. Very happily. So Yeah, I mean, it's the first I, I, time I
0: really imagined it as a natural house. To be honest
1: yeah yeah because we've, we've we've talked about these before and i've i 've always seen a more greenhouse level maybe maybe twice the size i 've mm. never considered them like you know millennium dome sized or even that house sized i've never considered them that size, but yeah, that makes complete sense how it would be that way um, I think having everything in the middle as a central column makes sense, everything outside and the, the big windows as you say that go from uh, bottom to top, I also noticed almost those windows only the bottom panels were see-through and the rest were semi-translucent so let a light right. through but can't yeah. see in or see out easily. Yeah. So, so real simple design touches um, just makes it really beautiful.
0: Well, I mean, obviously it would be expensive but you could also do stuff like um, you know, these glass panels where they will go from translucent to non by yes. running electrical current. So like in the winter, you could just, you know, open them all up, whatever. But in the summer, you might go when well, it's a bit bright. So I'll, I'll I'll reduce it down a little bit. Um, mm. Or or cover some of them in solar panels. Um, so that you're definitely getting your sun exposure um, from mm. east to west. So I, I think that's probably what I do. I, I probably have half of them um, as windows and then the, the rest of them as solar panels. Or indeed, we could even do the windows that are solar panels. Because that... I was- gonna say. <laughs> that would be cool. Because then I, I I wonder with that one if you put if the sun comes through the wind this window here uh, and it's a transparent window and it captures a bit of sun as it goes through, does it then go through the entire house and then come out this window and also catch sun coming out that way as well? Cause I think it probably would. Uh kinda of has to I suppose yeah because
1: yeah cap, actually capturing the sun doesn't actually reduce the sun.
0: No. It's just moving a electron or something something hits so yes you can't catch everything it's like its efficiency is not that good it doesn't can't capture every single ray of sunshine that comes through so the ones that get through if it's around, could then hit another one behind it on the other side of the building even yeah that's pretty I cool mean, that would increase yeah it wouldn't increase the efficiency of that panel but it would increase the entire building's efficiency by another 20 30 percent whatever mm so yeah i don't know how to act on this one though this one's difficult um i'm not sure i can build a house um uh, but i will certainly look into building a greenhouse um i don't know i mean well maybe
1: maybe there's no act but we could definitely think about it um uh, this as a future sounds pretty cool um we've also covered the um the resource-based economy and the Venus project. Uh, the Venus yeah. project also used dome structures, kind of similar to the Eden project. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, as a design methodology for the future. And,
0: and the pictures of um, the Elon Musk's settlement uh, on Mars. Mars, yes. That, that used domes as well. Yeah. So domes are going to really win. aware that these domes are amazing. I just, it just, I just don't understand why we don't use them more. Doms are gonna win now that I've seen them as houses and they actually do kind of work. I'm thinking we should definitely do have more of them, And yep. not just as novelty things as actual functional functional buildings. Nature gave First, us a clue it's been building spheres for us all over the place. There's a reason we should pay attention.
1: yeah, I'm not sure why we didn't go down that angle. I mean stackability is the only thing I can think of. Uh, just the fact that geodesic domes seem more complex than they are. And also, we went through this phase as humankind where we believed in flat earth, etc. I know some people still do. Um, I don't know, do they just not believe severe exist? I have no idea. But I don't know.
0: Obviously, if you think about a plank of wood, you think of something oblong and square and things. But even that in itself is quite amusing because how we get that piece of wood is mm. we take a circular shaped log we shave off the bark of it and then we cut around the edges until we've got basically like an octagonal shape so that we can then cut the boxes out so like it starts off round and cylindrical and we turn it into squares and then say oh yeah it's hard much harder to build things that round because the wood's square well it wasn't but you made it square (laughs) So, I mean, that would be the ultimate. Is if you could figure out how to make uh, your dome, I guess, out of cylinders in the first place, then you could probably just make them out of relatively young trees.
1: Yeah, imagine like putting a tree in a big, like, hole punch that punches out 60 triangles straight on the middle. That'd be nice. Mm. Yeah, cool.
0: Well, thank you very much. I want to own a dome now. Cool. Well,. Well, we'll, well, let's build one then. If anyone out there wants to have us build one, uh, (laughs) put your answers in the comments below and we'll get in touch. Uh, But otherwise, uh, thank you very much for listening. Um, uh, Remember to think, educate and act and we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye.